Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and the parent of two young adults, one of which is on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. Hi everyone, this is Ilya with Autism in Real Life and um, today I'm very happy to have uh, Sam Warner on and we are going to be talking about, um, you know, attracting and um, nurturing and maintaining uh, neurodivergent talent um, employees. And I think this is super fun. And I know she and I have been kind of chatting on LinkedIn and we met a couple times and here we are finally podcasting. And I just love um, what you have to say. And so I'm excited to have you here. So if you could just tell people a little bit about yourself and what you do. I mean, it's just, we're going to have fun, I think, today. So, Hello. Yes, thank you so much for having me on. That's a real a treat. <laughs> uh, I, I love the way that you asked the question. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Which little bit would you like to know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's not a little bit. Maybe it's more than a little bit. <laughs> it's the classic, isn't it? When you're in an interview situation, especially, people will say, so tell me more about yourself. And you're like, I was born in 1973 in Plymouth. Sorry, have I got too far back? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean to be obtuse, but really where do you want me to start and also are you only interested in my work stuff or do you want to know things I do outside of work do you want to know about my education are you trying to test me because you think I'm lying on my cv or you haven't bothered to read my cv so you want me to give you the cliff notes I mean come on <laughs> let's be really clear about what you're looking for no I love this and I think this is why right this is why we're we're chatting today because I think we can all fall into these um these seemingly right easy like easy traps but um and and really harmless we feel like it's harmless when we ask these types of questions, but these can create a lot of anxiety. Um, so I'd really love to know. Right, right, right. No, what you think so is the right answer, you know. So, so what I think is the right answer in this context <laughs> would be that I've got twenty-five years' experience in a corporate job of varying different job titles. Got a bit fed up with that square peg, round hole. Left in 2015 to run my business full time. Already started it in 2008 as a side hustle, and mm. <laughs> as they call it, and found it to be far more interesting than my day job. <laughs> far more rewarding, <laughs> not financially, but you know, soul rewarding. And uh, you know, when people say, "Oh, I just can't find my purpose," I found it. <laughs> I found it. <laughs> and I realised that all those years that I'd spent in corporate weren't really wasted. They actually uh, taught me a language, uh, uh, the language of the neurotypicals, we'll call it. And what that what that did was it, because I am autistic and I have ADHD, I think a certain way and I want to say things in a certain way. On the whole, 
People who are not autistic and have ADHD don't really like the way that I speak unfiltered. It's a little bit too direct, a little bit task focused, no fluff. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm, I'm all about efficiency. Apparently that's not particularly loved in in a work environment it's a big question mark in my head now going right pardon (laughs) why surely that's exactly what you want in a work environment so anyway but what I, I soon discovered is they're speaking a completely different language and they think they're being really clear and I'm speaking this different language in my head my language and I have to it's like speaking Japanese I have to translate everything into Japanese to talk to them it's like living in a foreign country all the time, but we are actually speaking English. So it's doubly confusing because I'm, I think I know what you mean, but you know, you've said it in a woolly way. So it could mean like five things. So now I have to come back to you and go, so do you mean this, 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 or this? And they look at you going, no. And it was a sixth <laughs> thing that you haven't thought of. And apparently you're supposed to know that. and then they're like well she's not very bright then is she she can't pick things up very easily like could it be you (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 no definitely definitely so I went on to work with individuals to help them to self-advocate at work it was hard for them to find that that foreign language that they needed to find to communicate with their colleagues at work Um, either get a job or keep a job and and that has gone on another step into helping employers come from the other direction and help them to create a list of reasonable adjustments because you'll get someone who'll come up and say uh, oh um hi I'm applying for your job can you tell me what reasonable adjustments you have for autistic employees <laughs> crickets okay <laughs> so um or they come back with you just tell us what you need mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't know what I'm allowed to ask for, because if I start reeling off all the things that I think I need, you're going to think I'm such a diva and a burden and a pain and it's going to cost you a fortune. Then you're not going to want to employ me because I'm now a painful person to have in your organisation. And everyone else is going to resent me because I'm getting all these things to help me at work. And I have to explain to the employer that if you create a list of reasonable adjustments, 99% of which cost you zero Mm-hmm. everybody can avail themselves of the reasonable adjustments. So if you have introverts in the office who aren't necessarily neurodivergent, they just can't work really productively in a noisy environment, and you've decided open plan's the way to go because some idiot <laughs> once decided open plan was the way to go, some insecure little... <laughs> <laughs> decided oh we can't trust anybody to be in their little cubicles we'll have to put you all in one big office like a load of naughty school children so we can keep an eye on you (laughs) great thanks for the respect um and then tell you what when you need to use headphones because doris next to you is yabbering all day long to somebody else on the phone about her children and fred keeps talking about his golf swing or whatever and you're like do any does anyone else work here because you guys obviously aren't <laughs> actually working. Because you're just yapping about nothing all day long. Right. I'm right. trying to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I help to uh, employers to understand the nonsense that is, oh, you can't wear headphones in the office. Because, you know, no one can talk to you. And I'm like, that's the point. 
<laughs> Leave me alone so I can get work done. <laughs> I don't need to talk about golf or babies. Not interested, not my thing. Now, if you were talking about Doctor Who, <laughs> mm. I might take my headphones off. <laughs> <laughs> it's really unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> That was a really long-winded way of telling you what I do. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's and it's. I think it's awesome because you approach it in a very, um, in a really fun way, and in a really like non-threatening or making this really. It doesn't have to be difficult. Um, I mean, Justin, you're saying like you know most you know adjustments or what we might say is like accommodations that we would put mm -hmm. in place are are can be free or very simple or low tech or you know easily found kind of things. Um, and I think some of it for me, it's always like about raising employment. I mean, um, raising like awareness to employers, you know what I mean? And it's like, well, I think we always want to raise employment. That's like a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, you know, by letting, you know, letting employers learn more and be more aware of what what they can do, because I wonder if sometimes it's just they don't, they just don't know. And everyone just gets really afraid. I mean, I used to work in human resources. So I remember when people would ask for things, it was like, oh, can we do that? What is that going to do? You know, how do we figure that out? It was like always this big drama. And it's like, I think they're just asking for like, can they come in a little bit later and leave a little later? This really isn't a big deal. <laughs> and not only that, let's tell everyone that that's what that person's doing. Right. And we're all okay with it. And by the way, does anyone else need to come in a little bit earlier or a little bit later? <laughs> I never understood the difficulty with with simple requests like that. I really didn't. I think it was mostly fear-based. Um, I was a huge advocate for, um, at the time, this will date me, but telecommuting. That's what it was mm -hmm. called in, you know, in like the mid-90s. And I was like, I lived two hours from where I worked. I lived on Long Island and I worked in Manhattan and it was a two-hour commute. And I was totally prepared to do it. I did it for a while. And I was like, you know, can I have one day that I work from home? I mean, I use my computer, it's a telephone, like I, I'm just going to sit at my cube, and it'll save me four hours of travel. Can, can we just do it one day? And it was a huge issue. And then all of a sudden, it was like this big initiative to make it more, make things more accessible and work life balance and all that stuff. And well, now who knew, right? Here we are, like 20 something years later. And we're like, well, whatever, just can, can you get online from anywhere in the world? Okay. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Oh, at the corporates I worked at, they would have designated meeting rooms with incredibly expensive high-tech conference equipment that sat there gathering dust in the corner because no one could figure out how to make it work with their laptop because everyone had a slightly different laptop mm. and someone had taken a cable out or something. So then you'll sit there looking at all the cables going, I can't even turn the plasma screen on, you know, and, <laughs> and then you... So people would just use it as a normal meeting room with this really like £6,000 worth of equipment sitting in the corner. And and they'd sooner jump on a train from Telford to London, costing like £200 for a ticket for a one-hour meeting in London. Oh, right. and, and two so hours how later. inefficient is that, right? Like how inefficient, inefficient is that? Really expensive. And I mean, you'd have five people go on the train. That's a thousand pounds it's more than the equipment in the room <laughs> absolutely bonkers and when people used to say i'm going to work from home or can i work from home 
it was always in quotes because yeah. the thought was if you're working from home in quotes then you actually we didn't have netflix back then but um <laughs> we, we were you know right. going shopping or you know going on a jolly with our family for the day and if you weren't contactable on your mobile uh, 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 you're definitely on a jolly but in fact <laughs> most people were just waiting in for the boiler man you know <laughs> so exciting (laughs) (laughs) and they do like three more hours work than they would have done in the office absolutely super productive but there's always one person that spoils it for everyone who who did take their working from home literally and and as in in quotes uh couldn't be reached and then instead of just dealing with that one individual and this happens so many times with disciplinary sort of things um Blanket, everybody, no one can do work from home now because we couldn't contact that one person. Huh? Right, right. Meanwhile, in the office, people would be chatting and hanging out and talking about like their weekend or whatever. And maybe they lose a couple hours worth of time there. But somehow that seems more socially expensive. Yeah, socially expensive. I totally, that I feel like that was my very young experience in corporate. And I really wasn't understanding um, why. Like, like you said before, like why I, I want to actually get work done. And then if I don't add, I, I, mean, I still have to check like my emails and things, even considering where I work, like I have to check my emails. I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, I didn't ask about how their, you know, how their weekend is or how their holidays were. Like, I didn't ask, oh man, let me like add, let me add another, like, you know, line in there for that. Um, and I, it's not that I don't care. It's not that I'm not interested. I would rather talk about that when I'm when I actually see them, whether it's online or in person, but um, I have to put that in an email too. <laughs> I'm a hundred percent with you there. Yeah, I I would have a post-it note stuck on my workstation saying, "How are you?" <laughs> uh, appreciate you're busy. <laughs> Things like that. Right, but I would always keywords. write the email the way I'd like to say it and then have to go back and put the fluff in, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but it just seems like a colossal waste of time. I in, mm-hmm. even had uh, a draft email with the fluff in so I could just copy and paste it in. Everyone else, <laughs> everyone got the same thing. Hi, how are you doing? Hope you're having a really great week. I appreciate you're really busy. Can I ask you to do the following? And I would just paste that above the thing I was going to send them anyway. Right. Right. Thanks so much in yeah. advance. <laughs> yep. I do know people who put things like that in their um in their signatures, which is pretty interesting too. So so clearly there's a there's a lot of people, you know, you know, thank you so much for your time. Look forward, you know, let me know if there's anything else I can do to help. You know, like that's <laughs> standard block. Yeah. And that. and honestly, I mean, I think in some ways. Those are strategies, right? Like we're, you know, even in, in joking about it, they are strategies and they are techniques that people people can use. I think shining a light on the fact that it doesn't come as naturally for many people um, and it has to be very well thought out, very well planned. And I think that's a good insight for a lot of people. You know, I, I have educators and I have parents on here and I have employers listening. Um, 
And it might not, people might not recognize that how much work and effort that actually takes for a lot of people. Meanwhile, you know, we just want to get to, okay, so can you give me an answer to, you know, the, the meeting that we were, you know, that question we, that came up at the meeting, just let me know what your thoughts are, or I need to know yes or no by like tomorrow. Like, that's really what I just want to know. <laughs> and there's loads of people out there who aren't neurodivergent, but prefer very plain speak. Yes. They tend to be people who you might call kind of go-getters. They make decisions very easily, very dynamic people. Um, they don't need the detail. Give me the headline. Tell me what I need to know and I'll give you a decision. So they don't want, hi, how are you? How was your weekend? I mean, for me, that's hairdresser talk. Don't need mm-hmm. it. You know, where are you going on your holidays? Oh. <laughs> so I don't even go to hairdressers. I haven't been for 30 years. One of the reasons is I can't stand the small talk. And they don't listen. When you say, um, this is like a meditation for me. Would you mind if I just didn't talk while you do this? Five minutes later, you go anywhere on your holidays. Because <laughs> they're like, not robots, but they're in like a habit, aren't they, of chit-chatting sure. whilst they're doing what they're doing. So I'm not cross at them because I understand, but it's very hard for them to change for somebody sort of out of 25 customers today, one said, could you not talk? And I've got to remember not to talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess I can't right. understand why it's hard. I'm asking them to come a long way my way. Yeah. I have uh, two things. I was thinking I have, I've worked with two like um, people in like that, the beauty industry, I would say. So one was, and, and I think more of it is, is necessity, but that's, I guess what I'll say for now, but like a massage therapist who asked me directly, like, you know, I'm, I can be chatty. Is that something that you would want? Or are you like here just to kind of chill out and, you know, and then I, I can be quiet. Like I was like, oh my goodness, I don't have to feel badly if she starts talking to me and I really am giving her like one word answers. And same thing. I had, uh, you know, a hairdresser stylist say to me, you know, I'm usually actually it was the reverse. I'm usually pretty quiet, but if you want to chat, I'm totally open for chatting. And I was like, Oh, thank goodness. So, so like I could sit there and occasionally, right. It's like, Oh, you know, how's your daughter doing? You know, like kind of simple things, but, um, but it didn't, it wasn't, it didn't feel pressured. And that was a really nice, a really That's nice lovely. experience. Um, and I think it's so interesting. You said that there are lots of people who can be direct and really want that, you know, headline. And you mentioned like, those are your go-getters and, and that. So help me understand what the difference is between the person that would be, I'm a, that's a go-getter who just really wants the facts and really direct. And the person ha- that you mentioned earlier, which is, oh man, they're like, they're really needy and they're like a pain in the ass. What do I do with that? <laughs> Right. Because we, we could see the same type of behavior in two different ways. And so, yeah. How, how, do, how does that flip like that? How do you think that flips? So I always because a lot of neurodivergent people are really good mimics and we're actually really tuned into people. People think the opposite is the case, but actually we've spent all our lives tuning in to try and understand what's going on. So our senses are really on fire all the time. I can pick up a vibe in a room. I can take a, a side eye from someone and go, whoa, I know exactly what's going on here. Everyone else in the room completely oblivious. And I'm like, really? Okay. And then you start doubting yourself, going, well, if I'm the only one picking this up, maybe this isn't actually what's going on. Maybe I've picked it up wrong. And later you find out you were right. And you're like, oh, right, okay. well, I hadn't imagined it at all. Um, and if you meet someone, so I, I've met, <clears throat> I've got a frog. <clears throat> when you meet someone who's, a dynamic leader, 
you can hear the pattern in their language. They tend to speak quite quickly, but not like I, I speak very energetically, not just quickly. So quite often you won't get a full sentence from me because my brain goes, oh, I've got something else to add. And I don't quite get to the end. And so I can be a bit manic when I communicate when I'm excited or passionate. That You won't normally see that in someone who is the dynamic, quick speaking, very clear. They've thought about what they want to say in nanoseconds. They've said it and now they're waiting for you to respond. Um, and it's not that they're impatient necessarily. It's that they just don't need the extra. They don't seek it out. They don't need it. And they're not going to give it to you either. Some people at that level develop charisma to a level where they can do some of that connecting with people. Like, I'm always really jealous because my short-term memory is shocking. My long-term memory is great. I don't know quite know how that works, but... So if, if you'd told me about the name of your child or something and I'd met you three months later, I could go, oh, how's Fred? How's he doing? And you'd be like, oh, you remembered my child's name. Wow, that's brilliant. I must mean something to you or whatever. Um, whereas I'd just be like, how's your child doing? Because mm -hmm. I know you've got a child. I remember that bit. But I, if, I, if my life depended on it, I could not tell you the name of your child. Right. Seriously. And should you get upset about that? Should I be made to remember the name of your child? But because people feel good about it, that's an example of how someone can appear charismatic. Oh, I've remembered. Mm. You're important to me, sort of thing. And that can be really great for someone who's got a super memory. And quite often people who are dynamic and leader kind of roles have a great memory. And that's a real asset to be able mm. to not schmooze. I don't want to denigrate it. Um just, just to communicate and work with people like that yeah I get people to feel like, connected yeah, yeah yeah like get people who to feel really connected and and i know I, I mean there are yeah there are jobs that are centered around keeping notes uh, for high level executives like that like it's it's a it's definitely a thing i i think of it as like the devil wears prada the movie with like um meryl streep and anne hathaway right where they you know that's what she does she like reminds this high level executive of that's so and so and they have a wife and the wife's name is this and the kid's name is that and you know they just got back from a trip to you know spain or whatever like that goes yeah. to like every person and and so seemingly you probably don't have to have that great kind of a memory. You just need to have really good people around you to help to help support you. <laughs> I need to learn halfway. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm sure she's not uh, expensive. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but you know, it can really just boil down to um modifying communication it's not I'm not asking people to rewrite the book I'm just asking people to notice how someone else likes to communicate and then perhaps just adapt to their way so if I got an email that was Sam question deadline can you get back to me let me know if you can do this I'm going to reply back Ilya yes I can full stop. I don't, and if I don't have any questions, obviously, if I have questions, I would put them in the email. Right. But if it's really clear to me, because you've been really great at communicating what you need and when you need it by, and you actually only need an affirmative from me, that's the end of that conversation until I deliver what you've asked me to do. 
you don't need to check in with me again going, oh, so how are you getting on with that project I asked you to do? Because my brain's going, go away, go away, stop mithering me. Do you, do you now want me to explain my prior, prioritization system or the other work I've got going on? Or do you want me to drop everything I'm doing and do it instantly because it's more important than you told me it was? You know, there's conversations in my head now questioning because why would you bother me about it when we've agreed? We've got a contract that I'm going to deliver it mm -hmm. on a certain day and time. So just helping people understand that might be going through other people's heads, that it's, they're actually confusing it by mm, saying more than they need to. <laughs> right. Or, or they're not being as accurate as they as you think they are, right? So it's funny because I sent a text to a, a good friend the other day and it was it was really, it was a soft, it was sort of like a, a soft ask and I was expecting a response. And then my husband says to me, well, did you actually ask her the question in the text? How did you word it? And so I was like, oh, well, let me read it to you. And then I read it to him. He goes, you didn't actually ask her a question. <laughs> so oh, she oh, just liked it. She just liked your message. And the oh. other <laughs> yeah, classic is when someone sends an email in the to field to three people and says, can you do this for me? And the three oh, people are, are like, am I doing it? Are you doing it? Are they doing it? Do we now have to have a meeting to decide who's doing that? Why couldn't you just put, Sam, can you do this? If not, can you tell me who can? And leave it to me to find the, the whoever. You could copy the other two in as for information only, but you should put Fred and Ginger copied for information only at this time mm -hmm. and leave that to me to consult with them about my workload or whatever. So there's a lot of things that are little tweaks that would solve some of the communication woolliness at work. Again, not for just for neurodivergent, but for everybody. Because sure. it would just be a lot sure. clearer. How many people put something in the subject line that tells you, exactly what you need to do with this is it for info only read later is it take action today is it uh prep for the meeting you got at two o'clock because i'll probably read that one first surely <laughs> right <laughs> and, and the word urgent hmm, mm, hmm. yeah <laughs> urgent is your house is on fire you need to leave and go home <laughs> right, right, right. Or mm -hmm. we're about to lose a two million pound contract. Drop everything. That's mm -hmm. that's urgent. Not urgent. I want to get it done by four pm on Friday because I'm going on holiday next week. That's not urgent. <laughs> that's not now my my uh, urgency. Right, right. Why? Right. But if I... you need someone to get it done at a particular time, I, I mean, I really like that. I, I've not, I've not really seen many people do that. I think I have. I've had one colleague that was really good at saying, you know, for information, you know, and, and then tell me exactly what they want me to do with it, which I really love. Um, or uh, sometimes they ask the question in the subject line, which I'm not good at, but I actually really appreciate that because as I'm scanning my emails, because I get like a hundred a day. So mm -hmm. I look through them and I can go, oh, a question. I can answer that one right away. <laughs> And they must know that that's a really good technique to get answered quickly, which I really like. Yep. Yeah, I like that too. And this bleeds over into kind of family communication too. Whilst we might not be emailing each other, we are talking to each other. And sometimes the communication can be really vague and it's not clear that there's a question 
it's quite often a statement and you're supposed to understand that that's also a question. <laughs> like, like um, we're starting dinner. Okay. Oh, you want me to come and sit down and have dinner? Okay. So you need to say, Sam, will you come and eat? Because if you're just saying we're starting dinner, I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't include me. That's fine. I'm not upset about that. I'll get dinner later then. Right, right. Why Guilty as charged. Dinner, dinner is ready. Dinner is ready. And, and then nobody right? would come. And I'd be like starting to get really pissed because I'm like, how come nobody's eating the food? So I'll go, the food's going to get cold. But you know what? You're right. It's the I'm not actually saying if you don't get down here soon, it's going to be cold and you then it won't be as pleasurable to eat. So could you please come to dinner? <laughs> Yeah, so so the first without we don't that's kind of implicit in the question. Please, will you come now to sit for dinner? Because dinner is on the table, and they can say yes or no or whatever. Right. I mean, you right, don't right. want to say no, but <laughs> but if they're if they're if they're caught up in something and yeah. they don't worry, eat without me. I'll be right down or whatever. Absolutely, right. I'm you know, right, I'm just right. finishing this game. Be with you in a minute. You know. <laughs> yes, no yes. that's I'm usually a game right, early. The food, yes. no. I am familiar with that response, but um, <laughs> and, and respect it, and totally respect it. Um, but yeah, so so I think this these are great things. I mean, as far as what what else do you think that? Um, I guess they, these sound like really like habits, right? And changing what our expectations are within the employment area. So what what can so I guess a little bit about what can the employer do to kind of allow for these things you mentioned like simple list of you know and i really like the word adjustments even though i know here like legally we'll use the term accommodations but i really like adjustments it feels less um i don't know it feels less clinical it feels less like hmm. you know i don't know what the word is but it, sterile maybe that's the word you know yeah. it feels more warm to say what adjustments do you need or you know here's a list of adjustments that we can make it work super simple you know what do you need kind of thing yeah I, I, I use the sort of, I call it the panoply of reasonable adjustments, accommodations and adaptations, because sometimes it is about accommodating somebody in a different room, literally. Um, so well, I'm thinking either a quiet room or maybe if they're willing to spend a little bit of money carving up that gigantic open plan office into the busy side and the quiet side with mm -hmm. some soundproofing mm -hmm. in between. Because even muffled sound can be very irritating. Maybe have a corridor down the middle to help buffer that sound. But it would allow the introverts and the people who prefer the quiet to get on with their job to sit that side. And the, the people who enjoy the hustle and bustle and vibrancy of noise and energy. And that's absolutely valid. Some people do. They're itching to get back into the office. Great. If I was working for a company, I'd be like, nope, nope, nope. I'll stay working from home. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. If you can't provide a quiet space. But I'm not expecting you to provide a quiet space. That's mm -hmm. that's the other kind of angle to be really clear about with employers. There's no expectation that something special is going to happen for neurodivergent people. They're asking, would you be willing to allow us to work slightly differently so we can be the productive person you want us to be? Mm -hmm. It could be as simple as if I'm going to an interview don't have the interviewers sitting in front of a window because I will only see their silhouette. I can't see their faces. 
So I have no additional information, no frown, no smile. I can't see anything. All I can see is mm -hmm. a black silhouette. And that's really intimidating. I mean, that's like a firing squad almost, seeing people <laughs> in silhouette and just me and uh, firing questions at me. That's mm -hmm. really going to ramp up the pressure. And this stupid, ridiculous, traditional, oh, we want to see what you're like under pressure. At no point in your career will you be asked to have that scenario where you're sat in front of people grilling you, unless maybe mm. you're like in the army or something. But mm -hmm. in an ordinary day job, a civilian day job, that never happens like that. You'll always have access to colleagues, books, your, the internet, uh, anything that you might mm. need. So it's it, it's not going to show how you're under pressure. It actually shows some, someone under duress and stress, which is when we're at our worst. Right. Right. See us at our best. So why wouldn't you do a half day where I can come and sit with the team and I can meet the team that I might come and work with? It's not a given. I'm just coming to meet them. People talk about, oh, we could we didn't hire you because you're not a good fit. How can you say that if I've never met your team? They mm -hmm. might love me. Mm -hmm. The not a good fit is someone's made an arbitrary decision about there was something they didn't like about you. And that's why they're saying no. But I can't possibly be a bad fit unless I've met everyone. Surely. Just saying. <laughs> so I would suggest that half days put aside. You have one or more candidates come in, shadow the other people in the office. What do you do? How will I interact with you? What other teams will I interface with? There could even be a session where there's like a little project test to test their skills. That's totally appropriate. And then they'd have some food together or a break together so they can have that kind of more colloquial personal chit chat not just work mm -hmm. work 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 because that is a big part of you work with people a third of your life or quarter of your life or whatever it is it's a long time so mm -hmm. you need to be able to get on with them and people are interested in other people generally but in the right place so I'm not going to start asking someone I'm shadowing so are you married <laughs> uh, nothing to do with the task however mm -hmm. if we're sitting at a canteen and we're having a drink that might be an appropriate question. So you married, you know, because you're just asking mm -hmm. to get to know someone. So right. by by allowing someone to have that process, that full process, not only will you be able to assess their skills, you'll be able to tell whether or not it's going to work within the team because you'll get feedback from the team as well, not just the person interviewing, firing all those questions. And the person who's in the interview, don't forget, is interviewing the company. Right. So they get to go, would I want to work here? Mm -hmm. I don't have to forget yeah. that bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. It, for a job, but it's all one way and it's not. It's totally not. And I think, you know, what, you, what you're talking about here is I often find happens with more senior level jobs, right? Like this sort of the high, higher executive level where oftentimes, you know, they recruit from other places that they may have worked with someone from or they already know them because of you know past relationships and they know how they work and it'll be over a hey do you want to do a phone call or hey you want to grab dinner one night right like it's like that's kind of how the recruitment process starts happening and and it's done at a different level but when we're talking about you know all along 
the, the whole, I mean, it's, it's not even so much a ladder anymore in a lot of places. It's sort of like kind of all over the place. But if we're looking at the different levels of jobs, right, oftentimes we don't invest that same kind of time when we're meeting someone who might be new to the organization or someone who might be entry level. Um, and we're trying to assess whether they fit in. And I, it's funny because often when I do interviews, I really don't ask this very direct like these very you know how do you think you'd be able to um you know get on with managing a team of five people like I, i'm not because you know what i think i can from what you've written in your cv and from if i look at your linkedin and if i talk to you you know if i if i get like a generic sense i'm kind of assuming at this place, you could probably do that. I just want to now make sure that you actually are a good fit with the other people that we're working with. How closely are you going to work with me? They always meet everybody else that they would be working with. Generic, you know, most of most of the people they'd be working with. Mm -hmm. And I want to get a, see if people get a good vibe. I mean, that's that's really. I remember saying I I did just recently hire a couple people, and I was like, I can teach skill. I can't teach energy. I can't teach vibe. I can't teach right? That kind of connection and vision that I can't teach. I can teach skill. That's, that's not, that's not, you know, are, are they able to learn? Are they willing to learn? Like, that's the part that we can do. I can't, right, see if you as a person fit into what we need as an organization, what makes sense with the other people. Absolutely. And some of the questions aren't asked that should be asked. They're missing a trick, interviewers, if they're going to stick to that format. They don't mm. ask so what are you really great at? They always say, what are your weaknesses? Or they'll go, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And what they're really trying to find out is if you've got like massive training needs or whatever. But most people go, oh, well, you know, I'm afflicted with perfectionism. As, you know, that's my weakness. <laughs> right. The flip one, the one that goes both ways. <laughs> oh, exactly. So, I'm like, so you take a really long time and don't deliver on your deadlines then. Oh, no, no, that's not what I meant. Well, that's the weakness side of perfectionism. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, don't fight with me in an interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, uh, for instance, if I had a, a neurodivergent person in front of me and say I was in HR and I was being asked by the organisation to conduct a conventional interview with a set of questions, some of the questions I would ask would be trying to winkle out of that person. Tell me what your strengths are. What are you bringing to the party? Why are you, why are you going to become an asset for our organisation? And then we can talk about what support needs you might have. But I'm not going to call them weaknesses because that's, that's already labelling them as you, your deficit in some way. And if that's not asked, you know, right at the very end, people will say, oh, have you got any questions to ask us? That's the perfect opportunity if it's not been asked to say, actually, I'd like to tell you about all the things I bring to the party, if that's OK with you. Because I'm neurodivergent, I am an ideas machine. I'll give you a thousand ideas in an hour. OK, you might only use two. But if you're stuck and you haven't got people who are churning out ideas left, right and centre, where's your innovation? I'm incredibly good at processing improvement and efficiency. If there's a more efficient way, I will find it. And that saves you money and time. I'm also really good at pattern recognition and problem solving. So getting me in a room doesn't matter if I know the people or the subject. Just tell me what the problem is and I'll help you solve it. 
those are my talents because I can think slightly differently to other people. Now, I might need a little bit of support because I thrive in a quieter environment. I don't really like people bumping the back of my chair as they walk past. So it'd be great if my chair was near a wall. If you have a paranoid manager that needs to see what's on my screen, put a mirror behind me. I don't really care about that because I'm just here to work. I've got a strong work ethic. I will not be at my best at 8.30 in the morning. So I'd like to tell you now, instead of staring into my coffee cup for two hours, if I can start at 10 and finish at 7, you'll get a full nine-hour day out of me. So that's really the support needs I have for all of the really good stuff that I offer. Over to you. And for a lot of neurodivergent people, that's a really hard thing to say, to sell yourself like that. But a lot of people also start with, well, I'll need help with this and I need help with that. And can I have that if they are able to self-advocate at all? And then they might go, oh, oh, but I've got a strong work ethic. I'm really loyal. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, but you're just giving me a shopping list of I've got to deal with. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you sell all the good stuff, I'm going to be really excited. And then you go, there's some support needs. And I'm like, yeah, 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 we'll sort those. That's fine. We'll figure it out. Because I love the stuff you've told me about. (laughs) (laughs) No, exactly. And I think, you know, from the other side, the question I can ask, so to be your best self, and I do kind of ask it, I've never asked it this exact way, though, but I, I, I think I would ask it differently and say, you know, for you to bring all of those strengths that, you know, I see in you to the table, what do you need to be your best self at work? Like what kind of, you know, um, input, support, people around you? Like what do you need to be your best self? And, I, and I, I've had people offer that to me as, um, as you know, as employees. And as I, I hate saying like that that way. I, to me, it's like we're a big team. Everybody has different jobs and we just kind of, you know, do what we need to do. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would be a better way for me to ask that question in the future. At least one way anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'd love more interviewees to ask at the end, how tell me how I could be a really great team member for you. What's a really great team mm. member? Can you describe that person? And then I'll know if it's a good fit. Right. Because you right. ask really great. what I do, but you don't tell me what you need. Mm-hmm. It's an unknown. Yeah, and I always valued managers who would say, This is what we you know, we have to offer you as an organization. Like I always found that really interesting, you know, and, and it sometimes it's just, it was very benefits driven. Like we offer tuition reimbursement because we want to, you know, you know, give you support and be able to support you in development and professional development, all that. And those are very important things to me because I love learning. So that's great. Hmm. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think seeing that a manager um, or a team is open to really making sure my well-being at work is important to them because then I can give my best self. That's huge. Like, I think that's huge. And I, I think asking that the way you just said um, an in- a prospective employee could ask that question is really, um, is really critical. And it's not, it, I mean, I'd welcome that question. And I'd be like, oh, shoot, I didn't think of that. I should have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> and this person obviously wants to be um, a member of this 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 company or uh, uh, you know uh, an employee of this company and and part of the company's vision and mission and you know and part of the team this person's not just coming here for a wage with that question mm-hmm. right and i think right yeah it's a comforting question on both sides i think because if you get a great answer from the interviewer not because they've anticipated but because that they're able to answer it and say well you know beyond the benefits and packages that might be available 
you know, this is what we expect from our team. This is what we want. And it might be for that company, an 8 a.m. start is a hard, whatever, a hard line. There is an 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. start. And that's, for some reason, incredibly important to the company. And if you can't do an 8 a.m. start, then maybe it's not a good fit. Right, you know? right, right, right. Mm-hmm. I, and, and that might give me a chance to say, well, I can do an 8 a.m. start, but I won't actually start work till 10. <laughs> Right. Maybe there's something else I can do until 10. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll just read or something. Yeah. No, and it's it's actually just equally uh, as valuable as the prospective employee. Again, if that is an expectation, maybe it's a call center, right? Or maybe it's it's a, a healthcare facility where there's like shift work and they need someone in at uh, seven, right? Maybe. Like that's seven to three or whatever. Um, so then I need to I need to set my own expectations that, oh, this is the type of job where I I will typically have to start at 7 a.m. and work, you know, and, you know, unless maybe there is a night shift, maybe that's a better choice and I have to start looking for those types of jobs. I often say that when something doesn't fit and doesn't work out, like that information is probably just as, if not more valuable when you're looking for work than, than the everyone's being nice and playing, you know, like, yes, we want you here. And it's all like real nice, nice on the surface. And then you get in and then all of a sudden all the real expectations start coming up. And then you're like, oh, I didn't realize that. Or or they may may have hinted at it, but you didn't really like grab onto it. And you're like, oh, they said maybe weekends. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. You know, and you go, oh, well, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. But maybe that's actually something that's really important to that employer. And if we don't make it clear on both sides, then, right, we end up mismatching. And that's, it's kind of like miscommunication with relationships, right? If we miscommunicate and we present something that isn't real, eventually it's not going to work <laughs> totally and, and it can happen at the point of contract so you've gone through all that process of possibly multiple interviews because nowadays there's more than one interview sometimes um and you get to the point where you're about to sign the contract and then the contract says from time to time we'll be asking you to work over for no overtime and i'm like what does from time to time mean is that every other day every week every day what does that mean? Does that mean weekends? Does that mean, what does it mean? <laughs> right, right. And, and that kind of woolly language, I wouldn't sign that contract. I'd say you have to define what that means up to a maximum sure. of or something or never on a Sunday or something. I need to be right. able to plan my life a little bit. Yep. And I totally appreciate that there are jobs like nursing and things like that with shift work, um, the, the emergency services especially, um, where you're right you know the shift like with the police I, I used to do the shift system with the police so we started at 6 a.m and you do that for seven days then you have a couple of days off and then you're starting on late so you start at 2 p.m and my poor body's going what what <laughs> you know, day is it what <laughs> day is it yeah and it really really bad for your digestive system because quite often you're eating a meal at three in the morning and your brain's going you should be asleep why are you eating and <laughs> <laughs> But then you're asleep later, not eating. So you either lose loads of weight or gain loads of weight. You know, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, I understand why the shift system is there, but it's actually really not healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that it's extra not healthy for people who, who need to plan things. Mm-hmm. So if you're a right. planner, shifts are probably not your, your kind of favorite way to work. Right, 
unless it's super consistent like that. And it, I think that's the other thing is super consistency. And I, I just thought yeah. of another thing, like I was looking at my own job description with this new position that I have, which it has been like five months already, but so it's not that new. But um, one of the, the bottom line said um, other other tasks as assigned was like, you know, it's like, here's a list of all the things you're going to be doing. And then it said, you know, other other tasks as assigned. And and I just thought, I just laughed because I mean, I know everybody I work with really well and I, I love it there. So it's totally fine. I understand that priorities shift and, you know, depending on where our focus is, but I would rather, you know, now as I, as I'm creating these job descriptions myself, I'm going to look at them and say, we really shouldn't have that. Let's be more specific. Like, you know, scope of the job may change, but, you know, always with discussion or something like, I don't know, we'd have to come up with better language, but it's almost frightening to read, right? Like other tasks as a sign. I'm like, I don't know, this seemed like a really big job to begin with. What else are they going to throw at me? <laughs> Absolutely. And that will right. probably stem from one bad experience where someone said, I'm not doing that. It's not in my job description. Probably. And instead of yeah. dealing with that one problem, they then put like a, a sort of a get out clause in future ones, <laughs> right. but I wouldn't sign that off. Not a chance. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I think we kind of know that jobs, I, I would say, generally speaking, depending on the type of work, of course, jobs shift and they change and needs change of the organization and, you know, positions might change, but I'd say, you know, I, I can't, I've always been fortunate that where I've worked, people have been super flexible with, changing and being really communicative, at least in my corporate corporate and nonprofit work. Um, when I was a teacher, now that's a whole different thing. Everything is very prescribed. Like there's a structure, there's a time commitment, like everything, it's a contract. It's very, very detailed. And straying is really frowned upon. <laughs> yeah, they don't want you to. Yeah. But if no. there is that woolly clause that there might be something extra, all they need to add, because I understand why it's there. Mm -hmm. All I need to add is upon mutual agreement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to do it just because you say I have to do it because you told me to do it. <laughs> I'm not your slave <laughs> just because you pay me a wage. Right. I'm actually an employee. <laughs> and that's that at will part that's at the beginning, right? We have at will employment. So either party can decide that this doesn't work for them and step away. It's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, that's great. I mean, you know, I, I totally, so I, I'm, so do you do this type of work? Do you consult with, I, I know you do, but do you consult with employers and with individuals as well? I do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then even um, recruitment companies. So, which is ah. sort of set aside because they're not going to actually be working with the individuals. Mm -hmm. But when a recruitment company receives a request from an employer of some description, an organization saying, okay, can you put this job advert out? And they don't put a salary range. Uh, why would I apply for it if I don't know it's going to cover my bills? Just saying. <laughs> um. <laughs> You can put a range in. It doesn't have to be one number. And if you're that secretive about what people earn at certain levels of your job in your company, there's a problem. Transparency, mm -hmm. hello. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, I can see I'm digressing down that route now. Stop. Come back to the, the main thing at hand. <laughs> that's, a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. Right? Oh, <laughs> we haven't got long enough. Um, but also in the job advert, quite often they'll say things like, minimum six years experience required. And if I'm neurodivergent and I read minimum six years experience required and I have five years, 11 months and 20 days experience, I'm not going to apply for that job. 
because it yeah. says minimum six years experience and I don't have that I don't want to be sitting in front of them and for them to say so tell us about this six years experience and I go well it's nearly six years experience <laughs> oh well well you know well sorry you don't qualify because that's what we think is going to happen right right totally not what happens exactly preferred is a better word sure but not essential Right. And we have uh, the way the way we've written that is, you know, we say uh, master's degree preferred. Um, however, experience will be accepted in lieu of, you know, a higher degree or something That's like that. Really but it, yeah, so we know like, yeah, this would be nice to have. But like if you have a ton of experience in what we're looking for. We don't care. <laughs> like, just come. Just come. If I was sitting there with, with a clone of me, only they've got a master's um, and they're fresh out of that master's and I've got 25 years of experience, who's going to be looking better? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. But you then... put master's essential, I'm not going to be applying. You'll get that one. <laughs> and that's coaching, I mean, we've had to do and I've had to do with, with adults is I know, I know it says that on the job description and on the posting don't worry seriously don't worry about it but let's just give it a try just apply it's it's you know but it's a really hard it can be a really hard barrier um because it's then it creates effort. an anxiety wow. yes huge yes. effort to apply and right oh 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 those organizations that say we don't accept cvs you have to fill out our application form and some oh. people have spent a lot of money on cvs a lot of time and effort second them ages to craft the perfect cv that's not too long not too short everything's in the right order the right font all of that shenanigans <laughs> and then they go we don't accept cvs and I, I i my blood boils in an instant and i'm like well i won't be working for you then because that is disrespectful not only have i got a linkedin profile which is a living cv of everywhere i've worked and the things that i do i have prepared a planned bespoke cv for this organization not just a generic one a bespoke right. one for that job and you're saying you don't want it because you want me to fill in your application form and if you oh, want to see what my so handwriting is like i'll write a covering letter <laughs> right right so no i know those online applications too are evil like mm -hmm. um you know, LinkedIn does it and employers have the link. I mean, and we're talking every type of employer for every type of job that's out there, no matter how high level. And they say, please go online and fill out the online application. And honestly, that's like the death. It goes into the black hole. Nobody looks, uh, almost nobody looks at it, right? It's really hard. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, I have to say we used a, a software from the most recent hires and they, I was very conscious of not letting them, <clears throat> excuse me, like of not letting them get lost. You were turned for the frog. <laughs> I did. Yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, I'm really conscious of making sure that they don't get lost. I wanted to make sure that everyone was heard, at least got an email from me personally so that they felt like seen, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and, and I didn't meet with everybody too, really. So I wanted to just make sure, you know, I, and, and I was, I met with someone and I was like, oh, wow, I would have, I'm glad I, I met you. Like, this is a great, this is a great idea. Like, this is a great fit. So I think um, we have to really be mindful if we're going to use those tools that we really like use them well. And, and I like seeing how someone prepared their 
their CV resume on the side. Like I want to see the effort that went into that. I want to see how you wanted you to how you wanted to present yourself to me. Mm. And yes, a cover letter. I don't I don't require them because I also know that's really anxiety provoking for a lot of people to write mm -hmm. a cover letter. Um, but if you want, I, I like to see them because I want to see your writing style and I want to see how you share your thoughts with me and what you think is important and what you highlight from your um, from your experience. So, I mean, I think that's the reason for all of those components, but we need to use them. <laughs> also, why does it have to be in one way? So whilst we might enjoy a cover letter, because I love seeing people's handwriting and I love seeing how they express themselves, absolutely just like you, I'd equally be happy to receive a video or an audio file where they're able to express themselves like that instead. Um, or if what a they great want, idea. They could type it up if, if that was their preferred way of doing. And they might just explain, look, my handwriting's not amazing. Uh, I've never really mastered that craft. And a lot of people haven't, especially if they're left-handed. Mm -hmm. They found that very difficult. Um, and it might be that they're dyslexic and they rely on spell check to make sense of what they've written. And that's perfectly acceptable too. It might be that they use a dictaphone. It could be because they're visually impaired. There's any number of reasons where people might want a different way of conveying the information you'd put awesome. into a covering letter. So if I then let them know, these are the different ways you could do your covering letter, in, advert in quotes, I appreciate people can't see me right now. <laughs> keep, keep doing these little <laughs> they need like a little noise, like ding, ding. <laughs> I'm not that savvy on this platform yet. I can't do that. <laughs> oh, dear. Maybe I should just stop doing them. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, ha having options would be really great. And is it more work for the person who's recruiting? Yes, of course it is. Because you haven't just got your pile of papers to look at and compare. You've got different media to compare. Some will be longer than others. Some, you know, but I think then you'll be seeing an expression of each individual truly. Mm -hmm. And isn't that what you want when you're recruiting? You're trying to find I out totally about that person. So. Yeah. Not just a number, remember? <laughs> right. And I, you know, this is, I work with educators and this is what I, I express to them is so important to have different ways to assess for knowledge, right? Mm. And to assess ability. It's not always going to be that multiple choice test. It's not always going to even be short answer. It's not going to be the essay. Let, I mean, I think the best models my, my kids had a few really great teachers and they had students do a lot of project-based uh, expression of their knowledge and mm -hmm. had them be able to submit things in different ways. Can you, you can send me a video, you can make a movie, you can do an audio, you know, file, you can do um, a playlist. Like they gave them so, and yes, if you want to do like the three page paper, go for it. Like you, you know, whatever you want to do, PowerPoint, like whatever, just show me that you meet these, these are the requirements of the assignment, go. Like just do yeah. it in a way. And then if you have another idea, hey, reach out to me. I'm open to other suggestions that I may not have thought of. Wow, what a great model, right? To be oh. able to then take that and use that same thing as you move into adulthood and go into the world of employment because that's actually the best way is to express yourself in the best way for yourself. Um, and I know we have to fit into, you know, some sort of norms, but I think we should change what some of those norms are. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and, and I know change is hard. I do appreciate that. 
But even something as simple as how one uses PowerPoint, right? Classic, either at school or corporately or whatever. And this, this, that's like people are stuck to it like glue. PowerPoint has lots of bullet points on the slides and lots and lots and lots of words. And they're essentially the notes for the speakers <laughs> for some reason. Right. And what they don't realise is that everyone in the audience is now reading the slide and no longer listening to the speaker. So either mm-hmm. you put a slide up with loads of words and say, I'll just let you read that and shut up. <laughs> or you put a picture up and you give the narrative. Right, right. That's what works. And when I've delivered PowerPoints into corporates, they're so funny. They're like, oh, um, so can we have a copy of your slides? I'm like, Absolutely. And they get 12 pictures and they go, sorry, sorry where, where are the, the notes? No, Those there's no the notes. notes. Did you want a handout? Right. <laughs> so did you want like the transcription of what I'm saying? Because you don't want to make any notes. Because having mm-hmm. the 12 pictures isn't really going to help if you look at them in a month's time, are they? You're just going to go, mm, they're pretty. <laughs> so actually, I... when I'm working with, employers and delivering like a lunch and learn or something I will automatically assume what they want is an old-fashioned set of slides with all the words <laughs> so what I give them is a handout with what I'm going to say and my pictures are on my PowerPoint accompanying what mm-hmm. I'm saying so I, I right. give them both but I kind of educate them at the same time and say you know you can do presentations like this too (laughs) even give people the information in advance so if they have a slower uptake in terms of it takes them longer not because they're slow people making very clear that distinction because it takes them longer to digest the material they might have to read it several times they might want to make notes next to it so they can ask questions later because actually their processing isn't at the same speed as some of the other people who are watching my speed is at 100 miles an hour all the time. And I had to learn that not, not everybody is processing at the same speed as I am. And right. you know, some people might go, oh, you've got, yeah, you've got to dumb it down for people. I'm not dumbing anything down whatsoever. <laughs> I'm actually trying to give somebody else a fighting chance to process this brand new information I've just given them. Think about it and then give them the opportunity to ask a question if they want to. Why wouldn't I do that for anybody? Right. No, it totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. Yeah. So the same way you might provide a a slide deck to someone who's visually impaired so their screen reader can read it out to them and they can understand what's on there. They can make it really massive if they need to zoom in. Um, I've had a few people do that where we issued instructions for breakout rooms and she said, oh, can I have those in advance? Because I can then zoom it like massive and I can make my own way of notes um and then i'll i'll know she'll make voice notes for herself mm-hmm. and uh and she said you know it was so helpful to have those two days ahead of time i can't tell you how helpful that was i never get that right and I was blown away that simple mm-hmm. act of just have them in advance it was brilliant really really brilliant and yeah. like i say people are afraid that if you give them the notes in advance they won't listen in the in the session and that's not true because the people who who will never read those notes will come along the session to listen and there are lots of people like that how many meetings have we been to where the prep work has not been read at all by the people attending yep. 
And then you end up going through the prep work in the meeting because no one's read it. Uh, That's right. We've all been to those. Uh, But there will be individuals who will be so grateful that they got it in advance and they will devour it, consume it. And then, yes, they're going to attend the session and hear it all again. But that second time of listening will kind of embed the learning. Because right. they would be sat right. there wondering, I'm not sure what she meant. I don't, oh, oh, did I miss what she just said? Or oh, I'm trying to make notes, but oh, can I ask her to go back? Oh, it's 200 people on this call. I can't ask her to go back. <laughs> you know? And they're having right. a and horrible then, experience. <laughs> and they're not paying attention, which is the whole intent of them wanting to be they there. Right? Yeah. Right. You know, right. I have no, no idea what she's talking about. So I'm going, yeah. Yeah, and I think this this concept of giving things in advance, I always thought it was interesting, like in colleges um, and even in high school, you know, note takers, like giving the notes to students, which as and we, we have it as an accommodation. But I'm thinking, well, when, why wouldn't it be helpful for all the kids to kind of have? <laughs> and I mean, I use the term kids loosely. I know I'm also talking about young adults here. But why wouldn't we have everybody that like have access to notes like the real notes that the teacher really wanted them to, to take that maybe they didn't like, you know, get it all or whatever. Like to me, it never made it like, well, are we hiding that information from them? Like, I thought we wanted them to learn it and we are wanted to catch them out in some way. Right. It's going back to that, um, the way that we exam people, examine people, mm-hmm. um, test people. That's the word. Uh, <laughs> and, um, the whole, so when I was at school quite a long time ago, uh, as I'm nearly 50, and we were sat in a great big room in a solitary desk. You know, everyone was all spaced apart and everything. And right then, uh, you've got three hours to complete your paper. You weren't allowed to drink water. You weren't allowed anything other than the pen in your hand. Um, you were allowed a tissue, but they had to inspect the tissue beforehand to make sure you hadn't written all your answers on it. Uh, it was in June, so my hay fever was horrendous. So I ended up sticking the tissue up my nose. To try and stop the dribble um and then uh, yeah three hours to answer questions i'd never seen before in my life that didn't make any sense because nobody asks questions like exam questions in real life they're long mm-hmm. woolly wordy things and then they'll say like discuss there's no With one who? else here I'm <laughs> discussion means there's someone else there I'm discussing <laughs> it with a nobody okay right, that's right. Really anyway but they'd never give you processing time you, you're expected to just know it and write down the answer right. when actually I needed time to think about what I thought they wanted me to answer and frequently even in like not the big exams but sort of tests along the way I throw myself into an answer because the clock is ticking mm. and I I get the red pen would be out and they'd be like zero <laughs> brilliant answer not the answer to this question <laughs> And I would be so so cross. I'd be in excruciating pain because I didn't feel I was allowed to say, perhaps you'd like to write a clearer question then. (laughs) Well, everyone else answered it. Did they, though? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Everyone. I'm the only one. And I'm sure you're not. I'm sure you are not. I'm sure I'm not either. Out of 90 students. Mm. 
Yeah, we could go on a whole other thing on standardized testing. <laughs> That's just evil. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and it, but even at home. So a lot of these things really do keep coming back to at home, whether they're um, children or grown-ups. Okay. So like my husband, autistic. Uh, that's probably why I was drawn to him because he's also really, really shy. He's an introvert. And I'm obviously not. Uh, well, you say that I am actually an introvert. All this jabbery talking thing is to cover up how terrified I am all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but also i i i think outwardly so if I, if I think i speak out loud even when i'm on my own my cats just look at me like who are you talking to so um <laughs> and my husband does all his talking inside his head so i have to try and figure out what what's going on and put a pull it out of him <laughs> um <laughs> but because i know that about him and i know that when he's really stressed he can't cope with even a question even a, an offer of help is too much for him to process. I know to leave him a, alone. Leave him alone. Mm -hmm. No matter what I want, leave him alone because he's in the stress zone. And I see lots of, you know, mums and dads and they'll be like, oh, you know, I, I ask my child for their attention for what, one reason or another. And, uh, and they just ignore me. And I'm like, well, they're in the middle of something. Well, yeah. Okay. So if you were in the middle of something, would you like it if someone demanded that you stop what you're doing instantly and respond to them? Well, probably not. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you could give them a warning and say, um, let, I don't know, let's call him Tom. Hey, Tom, I'm, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions in five minutes, right? Now, Tom might not respond or they might nod their head or they might go, uh, or whatever, you know. <laughs> Kids aren't great communicators, usually. <laughs> but in five minutes time, and it has to be five minutes time because that's what you said. Stick to what you said. Put an alarm on your clock if you have to on your phone. Mm -hmm. Tom, you know, I said I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Can I ask them now? And wait. They might just be finishing off something. I'm doing the game thing again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, it's probably a game, let's face it, or, or something else that they're doing, maybe on his phone. Um, and just give him a few seconds to just disengage from that, kind of come back to a neutral state and then re-engage with the new thing, which is you. Mm -hmm. And that might take a few seconds to do, but everyone's in such a mad hurry and they get really impatient and they're like, why aren't you answering me now? Hello, can you hear me? And they're getting really cross. And I mean, if you, if you can try to give them a few seconds to change from one thing to the other, you'll get a much better result. You won't get a meltdown. You won't have a shouting match. You'll have their full attention. So when you've got them, when, when he's turned to you, uh, he might not be looking you in the eyes because that can be very challenging for some people, but not all. Mm -hmm. And you can learn how to do it a bit because I'm living proof of that. <laughs> then saying, to, you know, have I got your attention? Is it okay? Oh, I've asked you a couple of questions. Great, fantastic. So you ask your questions, you have your conversation, whatever it is. And then you need to know that that conversation is now over. And he needs to know that conversation is over. And you're not going to walk away and then throw another question over the fence. <laughs> You know, that's just occurred to you, which might happen. But if he's gone back to his game, he's already changed state. And mm -hmm. you might have to go through that process again. As frustrating right. as that sounds, because I want to just ask a question, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Understanding the way his brain works and adapting to mm -hmm. the way his brain processes life will diffuse a lot of the conflict at home. 
And I use Tom as an example. That could be Mary. Could be anyone. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. I think that's the same thing with in um, with working with colleagues, right? Like if we want to meet with them, if we want to have a conversation, I think it's super important, you know. And, and I guess now that we're like right now, I, we're all remote, so it's it's kind of we have to sort of set up the like a meeting, you know. We have to mm-hmm. give a little heads up, um, which is helpful because I think in in you know in the before times it was hey can you pop into my office for a second and that terror right of like oh no i don't know what my manager's gonna say to me right now or you know and meanwhile it's really innocent it's just like no i just want to chat with you about a project or just it could be seemingly really just normal work stuff but it feels different if you you know unless you give that heads up and like hey i want to talk to you about we're going to talk about this specific thing on this day um or can you tell me a few times that work for you we're you know about talking about this topic i think that would be really helpful for so many people to avoid like ambiguity or anything like that and i know it won't be it's not a perfect thing but um but it would just minimize so much stress for sure you're not wrong at all you're 100 right with that the amount of times you could you step into my office immediately we expect the worst Mm-hmm. Of course we do. We think uh, I'm either about to be let go because it has happened, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, or um, or being told off. There's, mm-hmm. there's a problem of some kind, you know, because we just think, oh no, what have I done? Right. And that's again, we're kind of it's learned behaviour from school, from home. You sure. know, we're, we're trained to think something bad is going to come of this because they haven't smiled or something. You know, even just going <laughs> oh. If you've got five minutes, can you come into my office? Right. Smile. Right. So I think, I, you know, okay, it might be a Cheshire cat smile, which is like, like oh, I'm really in trouble now. You know, bring but your most times, <laughs> right? Most times, though, it'll at least give an indicator that I, this probably isn't going to be too serious <laughs> or something I have to worry yeah, well, about. I just say, it's no biggie. I, I just want to share something right. with you. How right. hard is that? It's right. not even giving anybody else an idea of what it is. It's no biggie. I just want to share something with you or ask you a question. Exactly. Exactly. Just dials (laughs) down that stress level. Because most neurodivergent people are probably working on a nine out of 10 stress all the time. Everything Mm -hmm. is stressful. Rehearsing conversations, analyzing conversations you've had, uh, trying to make sure that you're doing the right thing, behaving the right way, not having a temper tantrum. God forbid you should have an emotion at work. No thanks. (laughs) Um, And, and and so everything is massive effort, and and then when something goes wrong, it can look like someone's had what one might call an overreaction to something that seems quite small and insignificant to others. But when that was the twenty seventh thing that went wrong before nine o'clock, <laughs> right. it, it, we've heard of the expression "the last straw that broke the camel's back." That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, right. in my in my home, when my husband has had a pretty stressful day, he's a programmer, and he drops a knife in the kitchen, and it, it, the air is blue all of a sudden. <laughs> Lots of swear words, um, and I'm like, "There's absolutely no point in me going. Can I help?" Or running in because I know it's the last straw today. Right, right, and that's all that is. It's a response to that. He's not angry at me. He's angry at the fact he dropped the knife. That's it. <laughs> because <laughs> it's annoying isn't it right but right right it was more than annoying it was ah, another thing <laughs> that's right that's right Especially absolutely if he's not able to lash out at the other stuff that stressed him out because it's work and you can't lash out and you know you bottle it up and it 
explodes. And with the simplest thing, right? (laughs) Totally, totally. And and learning how um, he needed to have tasks one at a time. So there's no point me saying to him, uh, can you go upstairs and get the washing basket, bring it down, take it back upstairs? And can you start a bath? And um, can you start hoovering? He would just look at me with panic in his eyes and go, so so you want me to hoover? (laughs) Right, right, whatever the most recent thing is. (laughs) Absolutely. Terror in his eyes. Or or, or he'd start like fiddling with his head because he's got kind of a stim uh, where he does repetitive behaviour through the side of his hair. And I can tell I've just like pushed him up to a, Nine and nine point nine on his stress scale, just by asking multiple questions. So we have an understanding that when there's some tasks to be done, and I'm doing some, and he's doing some. I just want to make it clear I'm not getting him to do all my housework (laughs) together. Um, But I also I give him a choice because we both have pathological demand avoidance, which Mm. means that even though we might want to do something, it can be incredibly difficult to start that thing. And if somebody, uh, I'll give you a scenario. I was going to hoover my mum's lounge because I knew that that would make her happy because she's a clean freak until as I was walking towards the hoover, my mum said, oh, good, will you go and hoover the lounge? And my pathological demand avoidance went, no, no, even though I was about to do it anyway, because now you've told me to do it. So now I can't do it. If you just not said anything, I'd have done it. So, of course, we didn't know about all that stuff when I was a kid. So it was just right. very confusing and frustrating. But because I do know about that stuff as a, an adult, I can work with Dave on it. So I'll say something like, would you like to do the hoovering or the washing up? And he'll joke and go, well, I'd like to do neither. And I'm like, well, yeah, me too, mate. But <laughs> it's going to happen and I'm giving you a choice because I'm going to do the other one. And we also right. have to do it at the same time. So he will always pick the one that takes the least amount of time to do, not the least amount of effort, mm. which is really interesting because mm-hmm. a lot of people will go for the one with the least amount of effort. Mm-hmm. So hoovering the lounge for him is a lot quicker than doing a mountain of washing up. So mm-hmm. he'll go for the lounge option, which my back is very grateful for. And because <laughs> I hate hoovering, it really hurts my back. And so I go and do the washing up, which I don't love either, but it's the best of the two bad things. Right. Right. We have to do it at the same time because if he's playing a game while I'm doing washing up, my inner child's going, rrr, rrr, rrr. I'm doing all the chores. He's just playing games. <laughs> and if he's hoovering and I'm playing a game, he's like doing kind of side eye to me, going, <laughs> How come right. I'm doing chores and you're playing games? Our inner children are very much right. there. So right. But it's again, I'm... it's an agreement, right? Like it's, it's, having those conversations and being really transparent and open. And I think, um, you know, from from all sides, whether it's, you know, home relationships, whether it's work relationships, I think, you know, a lot of what we talked about today is a, is about being really clear in what we're saying and what we're asking for. And um, and it's, a, it's an always street. I'm not even going to say it's a two way. It's like all, you know, all everyone has to kind of um, be on that page of trying to be as clear as we can. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when you mentioned before, it's learned behavior, right? If we can start doing this earlier on, Mm -hmm. then you you might not have that inner child like freaking out (laughs) because it's like, oh, wait, that's right. 
I'm doing this now because it makes sense for me to do it now, but then he's going to be doing something else. And then I can choose to kind of take some time. And that still might not work. I feel the same way as you. Like I get, that's how, you know, it works here too. Like I'll, I'll feel super resentful if I'm like, how come he's on his phone <laughs> and I'm here like, you know, folding laundry. What? <laughs> um, but there are but other times, right. That I'm doing the, I'm doing my thing and he's fixing something in the garage or he's, you know, doing whatever. Yeah. And it's slightly different for ADHD people Mm. as well. I just wanted to kind of make that distinction. So, um, because one size doesn't fit all, never did, never will. Um, books like, um, feel the fear and do it anyway. So it's all, and eat that frog and all things like that. And they're talking about, um, take on the big project, do that first instead of all the little ones but that doesn't work for an adhd brain because we need dopamine in order to function so we need to do the little ones and go i'm a hero i've done all this stuff i've done nine things before 10 o'clock oh get in (laughs) now i can have the energy and the up feeling to start tackling the big project as long as nothing else exists that day if there's a telephone call in two hours that project is not getting started because what's the point i have to stop in two hours Right. My flow will stop. I will never go back to that project again. Yeah. It'll be another started project. <laughs> no, that's an excellent point. And I know I know many people who fall into that. I think sometimes myself included. <laughs> Needing need I don't have four hours to work on that. What? No, forget it. I'm not even gonna bother. <laughs> I'll wait yeah. till I have my half day, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And my phone is off, my emails are off, you know. I don't respond to emails immediately. I, I know that might drive some people up the wall because they're expecting an immediate response, but I'm not. All my notifications are off. This doesn't go bing, bing, bing at me or anything. My phone, I'm holding up. Um, I will get to the, my phone and my notifications when I feel I'm ready to sit down and plow through all the emails and the messages and all that sort of stuff. But I make mm-hmm. sure I tell people that's how I am. That's the bit. Right. I don't just do it and expect them to accommodate me. I I say to them, look, I'm not great at coming back immediately. If you need something done right now, for some reason, ring me. Mm-hmm. I will always pick up the phone if I know right. it's you. If right. it's a strange number, not so much. If I haven't got your number because we don't know each other well, text me. Tell me who you are. Say you're going to ring me in a minute and we'll talk. You know, there's very easy ways sure. to get stuff done with me if I if I tell you how. <laughs> But when we join an organisation, when was the last time someone said to you, oh, how do you like your tea and coffee? That's that's pretty much every time you join a new team of some kind or even a new meeting. Mm-hmm. But when did they ever say, what's your communication style? How do you like mm-hmm. to deal with emails? Do you prefer a phone right. call or are you actually a bit phone phobic, which some people are, and mm-hmm. would always prefer something written? No one asks right. that. Right. I mean, except I work in an autism advocacy organization. So we actually do. (laughs) (laughs) We do. Maybe not as much as we should even, but but we we do. (laughs) And we're also, I'm grateful for people that I work with who are comfortable sharing that, you know, sharing that information. So I think that's something that's learned also. It's like, right, building that self-awareness, 
building the ability to communicate what does work for you and say, you know, I'm not really great with email, but if you need me right away, text me. Um, or, you know, those just simple things that make such a big difference. And it's definitely all, you know, it, it takes time. None of this is, uh, is quick for sure. No, no. And a lot of people um, I have helped individually, they've got bosses who are micromanagers and they worry because this person's not like them that they have to keep on them all the time. Mm. When actually that's mm-hmm. not the case, it's not the truth. Right. Um, and, and they'll be mithering going, so how's that project going? So, you know, we've got any questions for me, like constantly throughout the day, which would drive me nuts. So I say to the individual, you can manage upwards, you know. You can say, hey, boss, rather than us having this to and fro all day long, how about we have um, five, 10 minutes in the morning, we'll look at the work I've got for today, I'll tell you what I'm doing, you you tell me if my priorities have changed, and uh, I'll ask any questions I have, and then we'll have another conversation again at uh, just before lunch, 12 or something like that, and I'll tell you what I've done so far, how I've got on with it, any questions I might have for you, um, you can also re-steer me if I've gone down the wrong road or whatever, um, and then uh, I'll crack on, and then we'll have an afternoon meeting as well. Uh, again, just five or ten minutes, and we'll put them in the diary. So I'll know that you're going to come over and ask me some questions, and I'm going to give you like a little mini report of where I've got to. And you'll know you're going to be able to keep tabs on me. Obviously, you phrase it slightly differently, maybe. Um, <laughs> who it is? Um, check in. Uh, yeah, yeah. You'll get the check-ins that you would like. Yeah, the the um the confirmation that things are going as planned. And that way you can kind of manage upwards. So they get their touch points that they desperately want because they're micromanaging. You don't have someone mithering you every five minutes because you know it's going to be three touch points through the day instead of 27. They actually get more work done because they're not constantly coming and mithering you. And so do you. Right. And it quells anxiety. Again, everyone like their everybody's anxiety can get put into check and say, look, I'm not going to have someone showing up at my desk while I'm trying to get something done. And the manager can feel like, you know what, I have a check in at 12. I feel good with that. And and I know I I know I get my touch points as I need them. Um, And I can go do something else, focus on somebody else. (laughs) It's a great way of doing um, micro accountability. Right. Which I think right. is much, much better than micromanaging. So um, it, it can work really well. You know, when people are put on, put on like, a, I think they call it a p- performance improvement plan when things oh, are not yeah, going yeah. well. Right, right, right. <laughs> on a pip <laughs> or whatever they call it. Um, pip, yep. That can be a very effective way of helping someone come through that process and out the other side smelling of roses. And then, of course, the manager looks really good too. Right. Because right. you don't want a failure on your hands. You want a success. Yes. Yes. Works for everyone. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. So why did you so, lose that team member? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I very much enjoyed this time chatting with you. Um, this is this is a lot of fun. You're a lot of fun to to chat with and share ideas with. And uh, I definitely would love to kind of, you know, catch up again and pick pick another topic because I know you, you mm. do speak on so many different things. So I would love that. Cool. Yeah, I'd love that too. Thank you. Great. Um, so I will put all of your contact information in the notes um, of this podcast. And so people can find the work that you do. I'll put your LinkedIn in there um, and then they can follow up with you. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'd I'd look forward to chatting to anyone who wants to talk about this subject. And I hope I can help. That's why I'm here.
Absolutely. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh, and if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. I also offer training, consultations, and parent coaching, and would love to help you in any way that I can. You can check out my offerings at thespectrumstrategy.com, and when you join my email list, you can get a code to receive a discount off of an online class or a coaching session. Looking forward to hearing from you. Take care and see you next time.